he said, I just do this. You know, I know you are polite to put up with it. So we got Jesus. He arrives, you know, he's born, goes and lives in Egypt. Dreams direct his dad, uh, direct his stepdad, sort of, <laughs> Joseph, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, dream, the, the Lord comes and says, everybody that's seeking to kill him is gone. You can go back. So they go home, and but then it, they still don't feel secure in where they were from. You know, they were from uh, the Bethlehem area. So they decided they would uh, end up in Nazareth, and that seemed like a safe place for them, for Mary and Joseph and the baby. And so that's where he grows up. And then life goes on. He turns 30. Uh, the Spirit comes, you know, 40 days uh, of testing and stuff. And then full of the Spirit, he starts ministry. Um, and uh, he runs into these fishermen, just your normal Jewish fishermen. Now, this to me is a lot like, what's the guy that's just written this song? I played this song last night. Um, the guy from Virginia, he's written a song, and it's been played now 25 million times. Uh, Donald... Uh, is it Donald? His first name Donald? And it's called something like Richmond from Richmond. Nor what is it? Rich rich men north of Richmond. Yeah, talking about the people leading the country. And this has become an anthem. I mean everybody's talking about it. Like, Oliver huh? Oliver, Anthony. Uh, Oliver Anthony. Anthony is that his name? And you know, you already had one guy that had written a song, and his was and his was good, talking about something about small towns. You're not going to do that in a small town. That one got a lot of airplay, but nothing like this other one. And this guy is super humble. If you've seen him interviewed, he's just a just a normal guy. It's just, you know. America, most of us are made up of this kind of people, like he is. And he is, uh, wow, I go, God is on the move. God was on the move at this time period. At this time period, the Romans are running everything. The Romans are, you, there's a Roman soldier on like every street corner or ever how often they need to have some. They have a bunch of them in town. If something goes on in Jerusalem, in the in the in the capital of this this little country, uh, they just turn out and like take them out, whatever. Keep you know, let's let's take up our money, let's send it back to Rome, and let's keep this place occupied. And that's what's going on. And uh, it's just like America can have all kind of things. We can have all kind of people doing rightly in government or doing wrongly in government, but the will of God goes on. And God just likes to really kind of kind of undercut what's going on in the country and performing his will before even those in authority don't even notice that it's going on. You know, eventually they did notice in Jerusalem. Eventually then they did notice, you know, in Rome. And eventually the Roman, uh, the Caesar... The head guy found out about it, and eventually the Romans became Christians, and it kind of diluted the, 
the effect in one way with the government kind of got involved. That's that's a history of the world, but in the short version. So you you got these uh, you got these these fishermen hanging out with Jesus for three years, and you know Jesus says uh, I'm I'm leaving, uh, but I want you to don't I want you to just stay here in town until. The promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, comes. Because he knew, despite three years being with them, they could use a little extra. They could use a little something more. They were still doing some dumb things. We have the morning of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes. They get anointing. Peter, the fisherman, suddenly becomes not just the guy they always put in his foot in his mouth. He actually becomes really good speaker all of a sudden that morning. He, he gives them a message. They're not drunk as you suppose. This is what was spoken of in, the, in, in Joel. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. You know, by the time he gets through, 3,000 of them have said, what can we do? It pierced their heart. He said, repent be sa- and be saved, be baptized. They baptized 3,000. They've added 3,000 people. One morning, life goes on. A couple more thousand are going to be added really soon. So, now, now this has been going on, and we've got the, the temple has been the rebuilt temple. You know, Temple of Solomon's been torn down. They've built another one, and this is called Herod's Temple. It's in roughly the same Temple Mound place. Jesus liked to sit across, go down the valley and outside of town and could sit and look at the temple sitting in town because it still looked pretty good. It didn't look as good as Solomon's, but it was a doggone good-looking temple until the Romans take it down, like, what, 69 A.D.? And so it's over there, and the way it's laid out, it has gates of certain ways that you can go in. And the main way you can go in is on the eastern side of, of the temple, the side that faces to the morning sun. And there's three gates ways into this eastern side, and this is the gate of the women, uh, or the court of the women. The women could come into this one. I know it's bad, but, yeah, the court of the women could come in there. Gentiles had to stay outside. You had to be Jewish. And then... You could go through, there was a, 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 a gate at, in the middle of it. There were three outside ones. And then there was one in the middle that you could go through. I'm sure they guarded it. And the men got to go into that one, and the priest got to go to that. And then eventually, you know, you get into the priest doing all the different things in there and, and worship and the different parts stuff. And then you had the Holy of Holies was further back in there. You just kept working in, into the temple. So at, on this eastern gate, the one facing the east, the name, a name for it was called the Gate Beautiful. I don't know, I didn't get time to look up the other two gates on the other side, but they all have names. And so this is a, a gate, and so we're going to look here in chapter 3 about this. So we've got Peter and John going to 3 o'clock worship. They have worship in the certain time of the morning, and then they have afternoon worship. So they have a 3 o'clock worship time, and they're going down to the temple. So just think now where, where we are. We're in Jerusalem, 3,000 people. So lots of these are out-of-towners are staying over. People are selling stuff to feed a bunch of people. It would be like Kyle going, you know, we didn't quite have enough. Go to Jackson, buy all the food that they have. In fact, go to 2 Jackson, buy all the food that they have, and then we still maybe not have enough to feed them. So then we would all be going, let's see what much money we got on all of this, and let's see, let's go sell some of these tables outside on the street or something. We're trying to, 
<laughs> trying to, you know, <laughs> 3,000 people staying over would be uh, one day maybe not bad, but this is going on. You know, they want to know what's happened to them. They've all, there's, they heard people speaking in their own language, praising God. This is, it's a wild, cra- you know, crazy thing that they've just had. They're saying to each other, like last week, they're saying, what does this mean? What does this mean? This, the fact that we hear them praising God in our own languages. There's like 18 or 19 languages there. This is a big deal. So, down the street, sort of, is Herod's temple. Peter and John are going there. Remember, Luke is a physician, and Luke has been asked to give an account about Jesus, and so he started telling this very precise. If you, it's like, if you want the artsy version of the gospel, you go to John, because John's kind of a, kind of a poet guy. You know, he kind of talks it, it's not real straightforward, it's kind of, you know, it's artsy, the way he tells. That's good. You go to Luke, and you get the physician's. A is to B, then, then after B is C, to C. Luke is telling it, and we divide the, the gospel at the end of Luke to match the others. And part two is the book of Acts. It's really just one long story, but we come to Acts, which is the picking up of this story. So now he's told us about the morning of Pentecost, and uh, 3,000 have been added. And so now some little period of time has taken place. I don't know how many days this is, but this is some period of time And this shows us what could happen. If it happened then, it could happen today. It could happen today. There's enough people in this room to turn this country upside down. If If the Spirit so wants to come and anoint you to be his spokesperson, just like Oliver in this song. I think this is just one, something's happening. Things are happening in America. Things, things can turn around faster than, than, than others can abuse it. Because we got good guys, bad guys, evil guys, all kinds of stuff. All countries do. You know, we just, you know, we're running, at, we're in Alabama, so it's sort of like the small town thing. You know, not that things can't happen, don't happen here, but. Uh, so it's not quite like the same. So Peter and John, this is chapter 3 of Acts. Peter and John are together. They're going to go up to, the, to Herod's temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's the hour of prayer. Okay. Now, there is a guy, verse 2, a man who has been lame from his mother's womb. This guy is all he's ever known is he can't walk. He's never known anything differently. There's some Jewish people that undoubtedly love him. He would have been dead a long time ago. You know? He's, they, they've worked out a way of just like we have in different cities and stuff, even around here sometimes. Uh, they've worked out, their friends have, family, friends, I don't know who they are, He's being carried along in verse 2, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. So that's the eastern gate. You're looking straight through. This, this gate opens up, and you can see all the way through the court of the women's court. Um, 
and then you can see the next section. There's a door, a gateway, and then you can see the Holy of Holies would be straight through there if you, could, if you were standing outside. So they set him down at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. So now we know how he uh, eats. His friends take him and put him there. Somebody does. And people give small coins, whatever, to different people. And this is his, he's been, he's been this way since somebody helped take care of him when he was little, you know. His mom probably take care, was, lived some period of time. And, you know, yeah, he's, he's, been, he's been making it. Okay, verse 3. Now, being a good guy, picking up coins as you have met people in streets or different places or even at intersections in major cities, you know that if you make eye contact, they're going to walk over because that's what they're looking for. If I can get eye contact with a person, I got a chance of getting a dollar, something or another. You know, I've already given away five dollars this morning. I would have given away less, but I didn't have anything smaller. I usually carry small amounts with me because I know <laughs> some of our friends are going to hit me up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just the way it goes. Okay, so when so, verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, ah. He wouldn't call him a mark. I mean, he, we're not saying he's a bad guy. This is just what the guy does. He's looking for somebody that might give him a penny or whatever their smallest coin. He sees them, and he begins, to, he be, uh, he begins asking them for some money. Can you, can you spare something? Can you give me something? But Peter, this is the new improved Peter. This is Peter who has the Holy Spirit on the morning of Pentecost, Peter. So, but Peter, along with John, fixing his gaze on him, said and says, look at us. Now, right there, right there is the encounter that you might have before you go to bed tonight. Doesn't have to be this fancy. Or I mean, we, we turn this into a flannel graph thing. You know, we, we make it into something big. Just try to see it as a normal day at the office, or not the office, just... Just a normal something or another. It's just because this is the way stuff happens. I mean, this is the way it really, really happens. He's, Peter senses the spirit at a sensitivity level now that he's got this hot and level, I think, of the spirit. And, and uh, he says to him, uh, look at us. Says that plenty loud enough to the guy that's sitting on the ground. Verse 5. So he began to give them his attention. Well, of course, like, hey, I'm about to get something. Expecting to really, oh yeah, expecting to receive something from them. And verse 6, and Peter says, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. But what I do have, I give to you. Oh, my goodness. You're in the very same position as Peter. You may not have anything in your pocket to help somebody out or, or even tow them down the road or, or, a, tire, or a tire tool or something. You know, you may not have anything except that what you do have, 
you could give them. What you do have is God's presence. And giving them God's presence could be from some small thing that they feel a little loved by God to them having something like Terry the night that a guy prayed for him, the guy that had cataracts, who his cataracts disappeared. And, you know, he lived three more years. And I missed it. I was standing right beside him. I just turned my head to shut my eyes to listen on my part. And Matt Ford, who was alive then from, from Australia, who had dyed his hair red down the middle like fire, if you saw him, and he combed it straight up. So just imagine a guy comes in our door and his hair is all flaming red, jailed up across the top, and he's got an Australian accent. And he's up here speaking because uh, he knew some, some people, AJ, different ones. And he's up speaking. And, and I'm standing in the doorway right there. And Terry, who usually regularly came for a few dollars. Terry comes in. He doesn't, he doesn't, he just noticed cars. He's here. He comes through the door. He comes right there. Pastor Jim, you got a few dollars? I said, yeah, Terry, but will you stay for just a minute? I'd like for Matt up there to pray for you. Now, I had no idea except that, you know, flaming hair Matt from Australia Terry, my friend that lives off of the street, he would rent people's front porches or back porches for $5 a night. He did not like to be trapped anywhere. His family, when I met them at the funeral, they, they had, his sister had me do the funeral. His family are all in the auto industry up in Detroit. They all drove these really big cars. Their clothes were decked out. And so I got his sister aside when I started seeing the family. I said, Tell me the story about Terry, because I always just saw him down. Oh, yeah, Terry just liked to be on his own. He hated, like, he wouldn't work on regular jobs. He did some, but he just liked to come and go as he wanted to. I said, well, he was always renting somebody's porch for $5 to spend the night. And ever since I known him, he'd been doing that. He said, we loved him. Well, you know, you just couldn't do anything with Terry. But that night, Terry came in. I said, Matt, here's Terry. This is Terry. Oh, man, well, his, I can't do his Australian, you know, thing. He's, he's just go. you've got cataracts. In Jesus' name, and as he starts to pray, I shut my eyes and turn my head, like, you know, try to focus. And I turn back, and the cataracts are gone. Two very dark irises, like where there are big white circles in the middle of it. Right there, right Right about right there. I'm sure there's a bunch of people that went back with time to the beautiful gate at the temple and said, it was right, it was right there. I was standing over there. It was, it was right there. I've known him all of his life. He can't walk. He's been begging alms here every day for years, right there. And these two Galilean guys with an accent from Galilee, because, you know, they talk funny. They prayed over him, 
And look at him now. He's dancing. I mean, he's like, this is, don't you know that's talking about a story spreading. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, I'm going to make sure you got the right guy, right? Walk. Jesus, Yesu, Jesus, Jesus is the transliterated Greek, you know. Christ means Messiah, right? You know, Messiah, Jesus. So, Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one from the town of Nazareth, you know, get the right guy. Walk. Verse 7, and seizing him by the right hand. Don't you love Luke? Luke doesn't miss a detail. He could have, if it had been the left hand, he would have told us. Seizing him by the right hand, he raises him up and immediately... His feet and his ankles are strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. What in the world did that look like? You watch little kids learn to, you know, learn to first they kind of sit up and they rock. And then they kind of start this beginning of crawl and it doesn't really a crawl and and then in, in a day or two, it's an actual, they can get around, scoot around pretty well. And then the, you remember when they, like, they stand up the first time and they fall over and then they stand up and they fall over and then they take a step. And then pretty soon they're going up and downstairs. And then they're driving your car and saying, you want a loaf of bread? I'm going to the store. I mean, <laughs> this is, it's got to be, uh, his brain's not wired for this. So a guy that's never walked, never, never, ever walked, he's walking, at least Luke's saying it's some sort of walking. He's walking, he's leaping. So whether or not he lands on his feet or not, he still has the energy to leap. He, he's leaping, and well, he's praising God. Verse 9. So what's the next thing? Like the, uh, the, the song out there. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while he was clinging to Peter and John. Now, that, that's a good, yeah, a guy that's just now walking. I can see that there's a kind of a, also a kind of a getting some of this together, you know, like his walking is walking, but it's not smooth yet, but he's, he's clinging to them. And all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico, the covered area of Solomon, full of amazement. Now, there's really nothing different than this happening there than this happening here or outside or somewhere where you go. There, you, you understand that. There isn't really anything different except, like in my head, my head might tell, taught me, try to talk me out of something, which has happened a number of times. And the fewer times that 
even as my head was saying, oh, don't go over there and bother them, don't go over there, and I just feel this pull in, and I just keep, you know, going over and somewhere, and then I say, hey, can I pray for you or something, whatever, you know, and then there's a story to tell, because God, it was God doing the pulling over there, and, and uh, my brain wasn't able to stop me, talk me out of it, it was trying, sometimes it did, it stopped me, I just, like, how many more stories? Wow, how many, ten times over the number of stories that I have now had I not talked myself out of it? Don't try, just try not to let yourself, your brain, it wants to take over. You, you know that, right? I mean, it'll find a way, it, it has a way of communicating with you. Now, you know, they're busy or they're talking to someone else. You don't really need to go over there. There's just all, there's all kind of stuff. Or, or, or it, it, find, it knows how to stall you. Just don't let it stall you. Just, just rush over there before you have time to think. Just go over there before you have time to think. Whatever the other sentence was, it's gone. Okay. Verse 12. But Peter saw this. And replied to the people. He, he saw how they were acting. They, they were acting. Don't you, don't you know they, they first ran over there and they saw who it was. And they're watching all this. And then they kind of like, who are these guys? Well, I don't really know these guys. Or I do know these guys. Or, or they were, he's, they've been with Jesus. I think I'll just move back over here. And watch it in, from a safer place. You know, there was, there was stuff's going on. It, was, it, had le- it had gone from being a normal 3 o'clock worship thing, you know, to something more. Peter saw this. He replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety we had made him walk. Now that right there is showing you that the Jewish culture has an understanding that's passed around that people who do miraculous things, signs and wonders, well, they're close to God. Power. Or they're close to God because they live a very holy life of piety. Some reason, some reason that God uses them. They're sort of like, you know, they got all these Old Testament stories. Now, it's been 400 years that it's been 400 years since the last prophet was on the stage in the Bible. From the ending of the last prophets in the Old Testament to the, the beginning of the Jesus story in the New Testament, 400 years have gone by. So they've not seen a, they've not seen a prophetic thing. That nothing's really gone on until John the Baptist, the crazy guy, that dressed with, you know, he's got, you know, fur on wrapped with a belt he lives off of he's sticky he smells like locusts and honey because he does if he's not washing it off in the river he's preaching down at the river but he really is when you hear him he's yeah, it's really convicting you know and he's pointed out saying behold the lamb of god you know that jesus this is the you know that that you know this whole john the baptist stuff preaching the kingdom talking about the kingdom you know, Jesus started off with a kingdom and stuff. So 
They've, they've not seen something in a while. Okay, verse 13. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Now, we, we just fly through that. But these are Jewish people. And so when Peter's saying this, they're talking about Father God. God. God who appeared in the burning bush talking to Moses. God who's on top of the mountain in a cloud with lightning. God. God. They all understood it when Peter says God. There was a reverence in them about that. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, doing that lineage thing that they would do. The God of our fathers, he has glorified his servant, Jesus. God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Out of the sky, I said this a couple of times. You know. The one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But 14, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And put to death the prince of life. Peter is in touch with who Jesus is now. Really good. He's got the language for him. The one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name. Now, that's where we get in trouble right there. We, that's where some of us get in trouble. You know, we, we turn this into bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. You know, like we had a wand and the furniture starts dancing. I mean, we, we make Christianity, we, we make the moment into magic. It's Christian magic. The name Jesus is Christian magic. Some people, when they pray for the sick, they are practicing spiritual magic. They don't mean to be, but they are. If I look at you, it's just because I'm stuck there because I'm thinking I'm not looking at you accusing anybody of anything because none of y'all do that. I've never heard you do it. It's, the, it's on the basis of faith. You have faith in something. In his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. God, God, unapproachable lot. We can't even see him. Moses, you know, he passes before Moses. He says, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover you up. And after I pass by, you'll see me pass, passing by. And then when it happens with Moses, God is proclaiming this whole little series of phrases about who he is. God the Father. God the Father right now in in, in, a, in a, unapproachable light we see that he's on the throne because we can't see him 
at the most magnificent place of, of there is, is Father God. And the place of authority that he has set aside for Jesus, his beloved son, who followed out his detailed orders down to the going to the cross until Jesus could say it is finished. That place for him is at the right hand, the place of authority, the place of honor, at the right hand of God. There sits Son of David, Son of Man, Jesus the Messiah from Nazareth. That person right there, born to Virgin Mary, that person is sitting right there. And God the Father, the one in approachable wonder, has said, sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. And the clock's running. And when the clock is over, Father's going to go, you can go get them now. You can finish this up. And that, all this wild stuff of revelation is going to take place. And he's going to finish it up. And the Mount of Olives is going to split. And fresh water is going to go from the Mediterranean into the Dead Sea. Jesus is going to touch down in person. Back. He's coming back. Yep. And when it's all over, He will have the marriage of the Lamb. He and his spiritual bride will be brought together. And then everything here that's gotten polluted since, since the Garden of Eden will burn up, it says, in a flame so hot, a, a presence so hot that, that everything will be gone. And he will have his replacement come down like a bride from heaven and there will be a new heaven and a new earth that is not polluted. And now Jesus will be the light, source of light of this new place. You'll always know where Jesus is. Just look to wherever the light's coming from. And then, when we see each other, we'll go, isn't it like a dream? Isn't this impossibly wonderful? No more tears, no more sadness. Verse 17, and now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as the rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, 
repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. He is starting to talk to me about our street friends. And I'm going to need to lovingly start confronting them that not, not because we fed them, because we're just being nice and stuff, but they need more. They've been around us some. They know us a little bit now, but they need more. They need to turn from whatever that causes them not to want to be with God more than a few minutes and be with us a few minutes. They need to turn before their, their time passes, and, and they can't. They need to turn. And they're no different, and we're no different than this guy. And we're also no different like John and Paul. It's not how much money we got in our pocket. It's that, it's that the Holy Spirit is in us. And they can have an abundant life. They can have more than they're experiencing now. More than whatever they're doing now. So just... When you pray for him, you just go, don't give him any rest until he gives, if this is God's plan. Just set it up so that I, that I confront in loving, you know. Therefore, repent and return, that's verse 19, so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. They have no idea of what is capable. They're no different than the guy all he knew was taking alms up. That's all they know to do. They'll take money anytime I go out there and give them something. They'll go down the street and buy them something or whatever or exchange it for something else in somebody else's pocket. They, there is more for them. There is more for us. We don't need to feel guilty. We just need to be able to put ourselves on call that when the Spirit says, say this, go there, that we do it and we, do, we just don't talk ourselves out of it. We just, we, just, we, just, we just do what we need to do. Somebody in this country is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You can't have as much corruption that's going on in multi-levels in different cities and different places. I'm sure we got stuff here. You, you know, there's stuff going on in this country everywhere. Because somebody has lost anointing. There should be Loving conviction that goes on when they come around Christians. That there's only two things that happens after they've been around the Christians a little while. They either want to 
be like them and be more family with them or they want to leave because they're uncomfortable. They're under conviction. There's only choice. There's not a middle ground. There doesn't need to be a middle ground. and turn so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshings may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things from which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from old. And Moses says the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren to him you shall give heed to everything he says to you oh God let us give heed to Jesus to, by the Holy Spirit. Just let us give heed. Verse 23, And it will be that every soul that does not heed that, that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. See, there isn't going to be a, a middle ground left. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days, and it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant the law, which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Mm. More anointing on all of us, Lord. More of the Holy Spirit upon everybody here and in the four o'clock and in the Thursday nights and all that all that that vineyard is home to them. More anointing, more of the Holy Spirit's presence, more of us obeying you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, how can we say it in greater honor? You are worthy to be at the right hand of our Father. Father God, thank you for what a wonderful plan that you you said, you sent your only begotten son. Jesus said yes to you everywhere. All of it. Yes. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that, you've, that Jesus has asked you to send and you did. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are holy. You are holy. Give each of us the anointing, the ear to hear, whatever your will is this week for us, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.